This is The Top, where I interview entrepreneurs who are number one or number two in their industry in terms of revenue or customer base. You'll learn how much revenue they're making, what their marketing funnel looks like, and how many customers they have. I'm now at $20,000 per talk. Five and six million. He is hell-bent on global domination. We just broke our 100,000 unit soul mark. And I'm your host, Nathan Latka. Coming up tomorrow, you're gonna to hear from Jonathan Goodman, who did 300 grand in nine days from a small Icelandic hut. Good morning to you, top tribe. Rise and shine, get those jogging pants on. You're stuck in your commute. Thank the Lord you've got the top. You guys are gonna love our guest today. His name is Brian Brushwood. And Brian is the creator and host of over 400 episodes of Discovery's Scam School. He's got over 1 million subscribers on YouTube. In 2015, his full season of Hacking the System debuted on the National Geographic channel. He has performed thousands of live stage shows appearing in every state in the continental U.S. He's also headlined three years at Universal Orlando and recorded two, count that, two Billboard number one comedy albums with his Night Attack co-host, Justin Young. In addition, he's made dozens of TV appearances, appearances including twice on The Tonight Show with Mr. Fallon and also co-hosts the independent podcasts Night Attack, Weird Things, and Cord Killers. Brian, are you ready to take us to the top? Heck yes. That Bring was a mouthful. Let me tell you, you have a lot of success, huh? <laughs> I mean, I guess it's funny because people ask, you know, what I do for a living. And 10 years ago, the answer was very, very simple. I quit my day job because I wanted a tour with a live blood and guts punk rock magic show. And over the course of three or four years, I put together this 90 minute show with fire eating escapes, mind reading, uh, break 30 pound bricks over my head and stick nails in my eyes. And I found a real match with the college market where I would tour 150 to 200 days on on the road. And uh, once once that got to be, I don't want to call it a grind, but once it seemed under control, it's like, okay, well now what? And so I sort of added a little skeptical stage lecture to my repertoire. And then I started doing stuff online. And then I was a guy who toured with a magic show, but also dabbled in the internet. And then at some point, I was clearly spending more time on the internet than I was on the road. And then all of a sudden TV comes calling and uh, the comedy albums start happening. So so I guess at this point, I would say I, I, my career has a highly diversified portfolio. It's like if you put like like TV podcasting, entertainment, and music in a blender and clicked high, you'd pop out. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. No, and, and I never thought, I got to be honest, I never thought I'd be in this position. And it's funny because only after doing all of these things for seven or eight years did it occur to me that uh, that you need to have a back end. And so after doing all these things, I realized that uh, that, that trading my time for money, and, and even though it's a blast to fly out to Kuala Lumpur to give a lecture on, on building a platform and a brand, uh, you know, really all of that is just the surface. And uh, to build a back end, something that would keep me financially uh, or get me to a point where I was financially free, I had to build the rest of the iceberg underneath. And so we launched uh, three years ago, Scam Stuff. We call it Gear for the Modern Rogue, which is sort of a way for if you're a fan of the uh, kind of a, a bar culture, the kind of sneaky underhanded stuff, the magic stuff, you know, everything from lock picking to uh, uh, to uh, uh, hidden credit card knives and stuff. Uh, we're, we're sort of building that on the back end. So on top of everything, I've launched a a small business uh, uh, buying and selling equipment to boot. Wow. Well, Brian, I have to tell you, um, I have a Snapchat and I snapped all my people and told them I was interviewing you. And I, I must have one of the top maybe 10% followed accounts because of all the views I get on my little snap things. And there were some questions they snapped back to me. One of the things was you've got like 
some people would say what you've done is you're, you're, you're famous because you've been on the Tonight Show and you've traveled all over the world. But we hear all the time about these famous people that are like dead broke. So how are you making money? Yeah, well, th there is a little bit of trading your time for money. Uh, the the podcasts, uh, all three of the podcasts that uh, we do used to be with affiliated with networks, and we'd make like $150 an episode from the network or whatever, but we weren't really doing it for the money. But it was just enough money to justify bothering to show up and make each other laugh. Then uh, we decided to take them independent, and we used the platform of Patreon.com. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com. And we realized how vastly we had been underestimating our popularity with our audience because what we what was $150 a piece per episode suddenly became $2,000 of donations, direct listener-supported donations. And on top of that, we're able to make a few bucks by doing ads for Squarespace and the like. So you've got uh, three independent podcasts pulling in that money. And of course, that uh, that gets spent on producers and editors and co-hosts and stuff. Uh, the uh, I, I still do tour with the stage show, although it's it's been difficult because uh, it's harder and harder to squeeze in lower paying gigs. Uh, so I, I either seem to do gigs for free uh, for the exposure or uh, for for a higher end fee. Like what? And then, um, uh, and then on top of that, you know, writing a few books. How, how, Brian, what what is an example of a stage show higher end fee? Um, for, for, for a corporate event, if they want a custom presentation and I have to sit down and actually write stuff, if it's, you know, if it's over 300 people or so, I'll usually quote $10,000, uh, -huh. uh and, and you'll get, you know, one or two of those per year. And then, uh, you know, for, for lower end stuff, if somebody just wants my straight up stage show and it's an easy 45 minutes, then, then, you know, it, it, it goes as low as uh, for, for a college. If my schedule permits, I'll do that as cheaply as, you know, 3,500 or so. So this is almost like. Back in episode 12, we spoke with a woman named Carrie Wilkerson who charges $12,000 per speech. And she talked about how she tries to make her speeches entertaining. You're the opposite. You come from the entertaining side and you then figure out how to write your jokes and things around the business content if it's a corporate gig. Is that accurate? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think that there's a lot of crossover between the uh, psychological, the same psychological tricks that magicians and con artists use to man manipulate people for, you know, entertainment or for evil uh, are really just uh, speaking to human nature. And that means, you know, it ties in with sales messages. It, it ties in with uh, getting the most out of your employees. It ties in with uh, motivating other people. You know, if you read Robert Cialdini's influence, you find out about fixed action patterns and these psychological backdoors that get people more excited to participate in whatever it is you have to offer. Okay, I'm like falling off my seat right now. I'm a good guy, uh, but I can just tell, I mean, everybody loves me, but I can hear the audience going, Nathan, come on, we want the con artist stuff. Like, how's, <laughs> how's this magic stuff work? I mean, give me an example of what you mean when you're on, I don't know, maybe you're, I mean, do you use it to negotiate deals? You'll use like some tactic to make your speaking fee or your performance fee higher? Uh, well, I mean, there certainly is. If you read the the work of uh, Daniel Kahneman, Thinking Fast and Slow, he talks about uh, anchoring and how the, it is an utterly irrational, illogical uh, bias that we have to anchor a number to whatever random number were thrown out. That's why they say, you know, sometimes in negotiations, they say whoever says the first number loses. Uh, but but on the flip side, you know, Daniel Kahneman did an experiment where they, they he's he spun a wheel of fortune. It was just the number zero to 100. And he says, oh, look, the number 87 came up. Unrelatedly, 
how many how many countries in Africa do you think are members of the United Nations? And they found that if a higher number came up, then people would estimate that number as higher. If a lower number came up, they would estimate that number and lower, even though they knew logically that there could be no connection between the random spin of a wheel of fortune and how many countries were in the U.S. So why don't you ask for a million dollars per performance? Uh, and, well, and then there is that kind of uh, that uh, there, there's also fairness exercises. There's a bunch of work. Uh, uh, psychologists do something they call the ultimatum game, where one party says you're given ten dollars. You could give as much or as little as you want to the other party. But the other party has to approve the deal. Now, logically, the other party, whether they get one cent, one dollar or 50 or five, 50 percent, they should approve it because getting something's better than nothing. However, there's this inherent sense of fairness and people would rather torpedo the deal than than let them know that somebody else got the better of them. Interesting. That's really, really interesting. So just real quick, what, um, you, you mentioned a bunch of different revenue streams as of back in August. What's what's making you the most money right now? Is it producing the shows? Is it the podcast revenue? What is it? Strangely, it's that uh, it's uh, the the online store. As far as revenue, now keep in mind profits and revenues are not sure, the same. Sure. Yep. The but, online store. So I'm on the online store. So the things you're focused on selling are what? Uh, well, everything from uh, there's sort of three three tiers. There's uh, there's uh, uh, stuff for the high end magic enthusiast, you know, mark decks of cards, that kind of thing. Uh, uh, we've got uh, uh, kind of underhanded sneaky stuff like a lockpick training set that uh, basically uh, most the problem is most people at some point want to get into lockpicking. They just get a lockpick set and then they figure out it's hard and then they give up. So we have a set <laughs> that actually takes you through five different increasingly difficult locks. So by the time you get to the end, you you really are opening the kind of lock. That's right on your front door, and then uh, and then the third thing is just bar culture. We have fantastic products like the Bottle Loft, which are these neodymium magnets that allow you to take a six pack of beer and attach it to the top of your fridge, where they dangle there, just entirely magnetized by the bottle cap, and a whole bunch of other fun stuff. Interesting. That's super interesting. And what about you're not doing again? You produced 400 episodes of Discovery Scam School. Are you doing any more kind of reality TV kind of stuff or no? Yeah. Well, we're trying to figure out what's next. Uh, we did two specials of Hacking the System, which was a blast. And then running a full season was uh, the hardest that that I've ever worked. It was immensely rewarding, and it's and it continues to be so. As uh, you know, I get all these tweets from people literally over the all over the world because it premiered here in the United States earlier in the year. Which network? It, uh, National Geographic. Oh yeah, now. yep, yep. And uh, and as it rolls out in different countries, uh, people compliment me on how awesomely I am dubbed into Hindi, <laughs> or, or, or how I speak Spanish so well in the dub. Oh and man, I, I, just, I just want to collect all of these. It's so funny. I love it. And again, you're crushing it. I mean, host a scam school. You have 878,000 followers on Twitter. I imagine from a lot of the stuff you're doing publicly. Austin's home, correct? Yes, it uh, has been for 20 years, although we moved around a lot before then. Uh, my dad worked in the oil biz, so I lived in uh, California, parts of Texas, Colorado, overseas in Norway for a year, uh, which I think really helped to shape my my desire to, to, to continue to travel with the job. Got it. Well, before before we go down that route, uh, another question I have for you. I mean, this the, the reality show stuff you're doing. Do do, do you get paid? Like, what's the business model there? Is it pay per season? Is it pay per episode? How does that all work? It depends because there's a wide there's a wide variety. Some of them will open up to revenue uh, participation. How is yours working? Sorry, that was the question. How is yours working? Um, I, I, it depends on the project. So it's like the independent podcasts are all directly listener supported, and then you know we negotiate whatever we can for uh, for an ad based on how popular uh, those podcasts are. Um, the uh, scam school is a combination of a flat fee for for hosting and production, uh, and then a, a participation in revenues, and then. Um, the uh, uh, hacking the system. 
whereas hacking the system was just a straight up, you know, it's like I pitched them the idea, they loved it, and and what I. What does just, that look like though? Is it a five minute pilot? Is it the whole season you've recorded and you want to sell them the whole season at once? Well, they do things in piecemeal. That when they try a pilot, they they say, "Hey, we'll pay you this much to come out and do a pilot," and then they'll run it and they'll see how they. How, what they, is this much? Like twenty grand, fifty grand, hundred grand? Oh no, no, it's much less than you'd think. Uh, because at the time, I I was not. It was my first television gig. I mean, it was it was I I could have made more. I mean, it was closer to what I'd make doing a college show. Like a grand. So yeah, I mean, like, yeah, low, yeah. <laughs> it was not a lot of money, yeah. but. Then again, I wasn't doing it for the cash. I was doing it to get inroads into exactly to get the exposure, and more importantly, the reputation for uh, being in that space. So the last season of Hacking the System that you sold to Nat Geo is that again? Are they is, they pay fifty grand per episode. They pay hundred grand for the whole season. How? Just give us some insight into how that works. I mean, actually, I don't know because it was entirely produced by uh, by the production company. I took the idea to the production company. Production oh. company pitched, pitched it to them. Uh, which again, uh, you know, on the one hand, if I had the clout and the reputation as a producer, then then yeah, then you're negotiating, talking about you know fifty to two, a quarter million dollar per episode. I would imagine. Uh, I actually never even saw any of the numbers of what the budgets were because I only uh, went for just a host fee. Because again, I just wanted the thing made. So what's the host fee? Uh, well, the, the host fee is just a few thousand dollars per episode. Couple thousand. Okay, and how many episodes? Uh, we did 10 episodes, so it ended up taking me off the road. Um, uh, so I, I actually would have made much more money if I was still touring, doing the live stuff. But it would have been, you know, just again, farming from the same territory I'd already been in. So instead, it, I made enough to justify taking two, uh, two to three months off the road. Uh, and, and again, it's yielded fantastic dividends on the social side because it's one thing when, you know, you see someone's Twitter and they say they have a YouTube channel. It's someone else when you recognize that guy from the channel. Oh, that, that totally. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you're on prime time on Nat Geo. Correct. Correct. Yeah. And, and all of that has seen, you know, a significant, you know, we've seen a huge bump in traffic on uh, everything's very synergistic, right? You figure everything's kind of a web, uh, all of it together. For example, of all things, I said yes recently to being on a dance reality competition show. I was which, just uh, going to say, I, it, I saw on your Twitter bio, it's, it ends with jackass and dot, dot, dot pro dancer. And yeah, I'm going to go, what is this pro dancing thing? Yeah, YouTube's answer to Dancing with the Stars is a show called Dance Showdown. Uh, <laughs> that, is, that is a super slickly produced uh, affair. I mean, it was really awesome. They get six of the top YouTube celebrities out there, and uh, and they have us try to dance. And I cannot dance. I'm bad. And and as I thought about it, everything in me wanted to say no to the gig, but the other part of my brain was like, why? And the answer was obvious. It was like, well, because I'm scared. And then that part of my brain was like, well, you that's like not that. a good answer. You got to go. You like and that. Yep. Yeah, exactly. So I was like, well, I guess I'm not doing it. And 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 what's funny is it, I could have very easily been guarded and sarcastic and, and done everything ironically, uh, but I didn't. Instead, I figured, um, you know, my, my agent put it best. He says, look, Brian, none of your fans are going to suddenly hate you because you tried to dance. And instead, everybody else is going to be meeting you for the first time. This is an opportunity for you to reach out and and can you know contact even more people and and sure enough we've seen since the show launched we've seen like a doubling of, of YouTube subscriptions uh, on the YouTube channel. And who do you work with? You're signed with United United or Creative Artists Agency or? Uh, I've I've got a number of different. Uh, I, I have one agency, Sophie K Entertainment out of New York has a real name for uh, booking co uh, comedy in the college market, and she takes care of uh, uh, all of my uh, college bookings. Uh, I work with ICM uh, for some television stuff and uh, for internet stuff. I work with uh, George Ruiz out of uh, Intelligent Artists, and, and that's cool. the thing. Uh, none, uh, none of those agreements have been exclusive. You know, whenever possible, there have been times that I 
that I've, I've signed agreements for exclusivity. And the moment you do that, that's when the phone starts ringing off the hook and you just start looking at the calendar while waiting for that exclusivity to run out. It's the so worst. Anything. Yeah, it's the worst. Well, very good. Well, Brian, you, you are all over the place and I love it. You have so many different things you're doing. I'm going to link to all of them in the show notes at nathanlatka.com forward slash the top nine one. Again, that's forward slash the top nine one. Okay, Top Tribe, I want to give you more brain juice this month. Totally free. If you're loving this episode, text the word Nathan, N-A-T-H-A-N, to 33444 for your chance to win a prize on an upcoming show. The next prize is a pack of 14 business books valued at 250 bucks if you bought them on Amazon. And these books are the ones that Mark Zuckerberg thinks every entrepreneur must read. Okay, Brian, it is time for my favorite part of the show. Do you know what's next? I don't, but I'm excited. It's time for the Famous Five. Are you ready? Okay, I'm ready. All right. Number one, Brian, what is your favorite business book? Uh, Oh, that's easy. Origin of Brands by Al and Laura Reese. Al and Laura Reese through the 80s and 90s have been given the same marketing advice about positioning and finding your place in in the marketplace. My favorite of their books is Origin of Brands in which they couch everything based on Darwin's origin of the species. And they make an argument like just just like Darwin proposed a tree of life where you have mammals and insects and algae. There's a tree of brands where you have restaurants and car dealerships and cable television providers. And And within those, there are other branches. There are branches for fast food and healthy fast food and, and cheap fast food. And, and, uh, and, and if you can find an unfilled niche and you can obey the same rules that govern life. For example, the tree that gets planted first is going to steal all the sunshine from the tree that gets planted second. Then you can find an unfilled niche and become top in your category. I love that. And we've got production team here in studio. Sam is shaking his head. You've read that book? You like it? You can talk. It's okay. Yeah. yeah. He's like, oh my gosh, Nathan. Okay, that's good. It's yeah. a good book. Cool. Okay, Sam, or I mean, Brian, number two. Um, <laughs> You guys have to be ready. I'm going to like, I'm going to throw it to Hunter one time. I'll throw it to Sam one time. Brian, these I'm, I'm keeping everyone on their toes. That's a good thing. It's good. It's good. Number, number two, is there a CEO that you're following or studying right now? Man, I'd, I'd hate to say it because it's so cliche, but I'll read anything that has the words Elon Musk in it. Yeah. Just because the dude's the modern day P.T. Barnum. I love it. Uh, although if it's somebody I'm modeling, um, you know, Penn and Teller have been heroes of mine for, uh, you know, 30 years. And I've uh, had correspondence with Teller for 20 of them. So he's like my Obi-Wan Kenobi. And they, too, you'll notice, are variety entertainers who are extremely diversified. And I got to be honest, part of the reason I said yes to doing Dance Showdown was because Penn said yes to doing Dancing with the Stars. Ooh, some competition. Exactly. I love it. I love it. You're a killer underneath all that hack school and artists (laughs) and dancing and all that. I love it. Number three, Brian, do you have a favorite online tool like Evernote? Absolutely. Slack, Slack, Slack. Tell me you've heard the good word. We are on it, baby. Loving it. Yeah, yeah, the thing about Slack that's so powerful is that you don't. I did not want to sign up with it. All my, all my, uh, the editors and all of the people I work with just spontaneously started using it, and they're like, "By the way, you know you're dumb for not using Slack." I was like, "All right, fine." I installed the app, and I'm on there all the time now. It's everything you love about Twitter and chat rooms, and, but but easier all together. There you go. You guys just learned that Brian hangs out in chat rooms, FYI. Okay, number <laughs> number four, Brian. I want to know if you're doing all of the stuff that you're doing in a balanced way. Yes or no? Do you get eight hours of sleep every night? 
Not all in a row. Weirdly, you know, oftentimes I don't get to bed until close to two. And uh, part of the fact of having three daughters means whether I want to or not, I oftentimes get up around 630 or so. But, uh, you know, I'll check a few emails and then take a little quick nap. And then uh, and then the day starts uh, in earnest around 11 and then goes till two again. So you said five daughters. Last question. Are, are you married? Well, well, three, three daughters. Yeah. Sorry, three three. Girls. Yeah. And, uh, and yes, definitely happily married. I got married straight out of college. We're coming up on what? 18 years now. Wow. Since... And so how old are you now? I've just turned 40. Okay. So take us back 20 years or maybe, maybe you're talking to your daughters. Maybe you have a daughter around 18 or 19. If you could tell your 20 year old self one thing, what would it be? Uh, the greatest ability anyone can have is the ability to be comfortable being uncomfortable. If you can put yourself in a situation outside of your comfort zone, if you can fail fearlessly and spectacularly, and even as you feel that pit of your stomach gnawing and that, that back of your head feeling saying this is a terrible mistake, if some part of you can step out of that and say, yes, there's wonderful lessons in here. What can we learn? What, what can, how can we pivot this? How can we shape this to make a better future for us than really you can face anything. If you're once you're afraid, of, not afraid of failure, uh, there's nothing you can't try. And guys, with that, you can find Brian and a whole lot of spandex on YouTube's new reality show. <laughs> All right, Brian, people are going to want to follow you online. Where can they do that? Of course, uh, most active on Twitter. That's twitter.com slash Schwood, S-H-W-O-O-D. That's the last part of Brushwood. There is no C in Schwood. And of course, uh, uh, subscribe at youtube.com slash Scamschool or drop me an email, brian at Schwood.com. That's B-R-I-A-N at S-H-W-O-O-D.com. Well, guys, there you have it from Brian himself. Over 400 reality shows shot, $10,000 per stage show, highly successful podcast, and now will be starring on a brand new YouTube show related to pro dancing. Brian, thank you for taking us to the top. Thank you for letting me join you up here. It's nice. The air's very thin. It's good. It's thin. You can breathe. It's fun. <laughs> See you, man. Okay, go listen to yesterday's episode where I spoke with Sonia Petkovich about quitting corporate and going all in with her own $50,000. 